welcome. Welcome. Glad you're here. Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not waste any time. You're here to get tips and tricks on sales and training. Let's go. In, In between, between the, the notes. notes. You're listening to In Between the Notes with Phil DeSantis, the sales guy, and Joseph Benton, the training guy. That's right. So let's get ready to learn something cool and have some fun doing it. Woohoo. All right. <laughs> That's exciting. Hey, Phil, how are you doing today? Living the dream. Oh, well, that's awesome. You know, we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff. You're going to be talking about um, a really cool topic, which is about uh, proving value. And, you know, proving value is a very cool thing because it's, as, as you and I mentioned in the previous episode, that it applies to a lot of things. So I'm very excited about hearing more about what you mean by proving value can be done in three questions, just three, <laughs> not one or two, but three. Well, you know how it is, Joseph. I don't like to boil the ocean. The, uh, boil the ocean. <laughs> And I also think uh, you have some pretty cool topics this uh, this week. Uh, what is it? Three secrets to leadership. Yes. As a matter of fact, I have been observing leaders for a long time. Been a leader myself. You know, you can't like put somebody on a on an operating table and cut them open and find a leader. You know that? Uh, I uh... <laughs> there there is no well, leader not... inside someone. Oh, do, do you think this is like the movie uh, Trading Places? You know, is it uh, environment or is it breeding? Is, is, oh. Do you remember well, that one? Now I'll bet that you one dollar? Yes. I remember that. And what, they bet a dollar? That yeah, was it was the Dukes. It was yes. the Dukes. Yes. So, um, no, it's not, it's not quite like that. Uh, not a matter of environment. Not a matter of um, upbringing or, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I can launch right into it if you would like. I, I, I am waiting with bated breath because okay. I want to know whether or not I possess these three secrets of leadership or do I okay. not, uh, do I not, you know. All right. Well, listen, this, this is nice because, you know, in social media, we have followers, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we have people that are leaders because they've got followers, like, but you you can't be a leader unless you've got followers. So anybody who has followers is automatically a leader. So if I see a mother duck uh, running around with all her kids following her, she's a leader. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're seeing it with your own eyes, right? So, uh, you know, there's all sorts of leaders, right? Uh, you know, there's, there's the kind that we elect, right? Mm -hmm. But in a way, we're not really electing a leader. We're, we're kind of in a way, hiring someone, you know, like depending on how many people are voting, the majority are hiring that person to do a job. So it's, you know, leadership is kind of a different matter. So uh, as you can tell, whenever it comes to, you know, it, it, if you have experience with American culture and politics, people hate the president. It's like every, every president that I can ever remember going back decades, a majority of people don't like the president once they're in office. They don't approve because okay. we don't approve of the government in general. But, you know, the, the important thing, though, that I'm, I'm trying to get at is that uh, things like elections, you know, that doesn't really determine the leader. The, the leader is not by virtue of a title is what I'm really getting at. Just because somebody is a manager, they get hired to be a manager. You get hired to be a supervisor, director, CEO, whatever. That isn't what determines if they're a leader. Okay. Okay. So what determines if someone is a leader, and what's really great about this is just one very simple thing. And then there's two things that go with it. And I'll, I'll, I'll get into that. So okay. the one thing is do what no one else is doing. Okay. Because people so, will follow you. And... Well, if well, if if they like what you're doing, right? ah, there it is. Okay, so do yeah. what no one else is doing. That obviously looks like it's productive and that and it, it it's positive and moving the ball forward, as opposed to, hey, I just think I'm 
just for the heck of it, just going to get naked and run and uh, jump into a pile of uh, you know thistles. Yeah, you're not going to be a leader that way because people are not going to follow you. They may laugh at you, but that does not make you a leader. Yeah, okay. so it's doing what no one else is doing in a way that people will follow you. Okay? So okay, I, hope, I like that. I, I hope like that that, that makes sense. Because everybody, and I mean, look, whatever you think of Elon Musk, you know, people love him, they hate him, they're indifferent, whatever. The guy is doing things that nobody else is doing. It's one of the things that upsets a lot of people because whether they like it or not, he's a leader. He is actually doing things that no other people are doing. And that's one of the reasons why he's got such a big following. And it's one of the reasons why he really aggravates a lot of people is because they they don't want to see him succeed because they see him being successful and they may not like him personally. That doesn't really have anything to do with leadership. Well, the, well yeah, you can also say that for like David Koresh. I mean, right? In the Davidian compound. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, I just, you know, I'm trying to find the the, the opposite side of, of that. Um, so, okay. So yeah. we're, you're not going to be a leader by doing what everybody else is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's Coke and Pepsi, which one is the leader? They're both doing the same thing. So all they're doing is competing. Neither one is leading. <laughs> you know, Joseph, we're not trying to put our listeners into one of a Coke or Pepsi category because that could start quite a, uh, that could start, start a problem. Or as opposed to looking at it as, hey, here are the people who are leading the field when it comes to innovations on different types of uh, soft drinks, mm. uh, drinks that are basically non-alcoholic and they're trying to be leaders in the water category or the spritz of water or the near alcoholic drinks, right? Yes. Um, would, would you say that would be a type of uh, a, a leadership? Because I know they're, they're trying to do what no one else is doing, whether well, it works or not, who the heck knows? But. Okay, imagine a foot race for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, Go you got two people running neck and neck, right? That's uh, Coke and Pepsi. Which one's the leader? Uh, Coke. <laughs> I don't know. I was just going alcohol there. I figured. I figured that would work. No, but Go you ahead. get you get the idea. You <laughs> got to be doing things that no one else is doing. Otherwise, you're just competing. Leadership is different than competing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and you know, you may compete better than the other competitor, right? But if you're doing something that other people are doing, you're not leading the way. You're not forging a new path. You're not going in a direction that people want to go, but don't have an option to go. Like people want, you know, certain things in life and people who promise them and there's no other, you know, place to go to get it. They will follow them. And that may be one of the reasons why your uh, David Koresh uh, reference is certainly valid. Uh, Right or wrong, the guy Mm -hmm. was offering something that nobody else was, and those people followed him for that reason. Well, I think you're talking, and and I know we're going to split hairs here, or Adams for that matter, and I'm not smart (laughs) enough to do either, is is, I, I, I I think you're talking about certain type of leaders. I mean, you have your pioneer leaders who are going to definitely forge new paths, which will be those innovators. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from the, you know, Bill Gates, hey, personal computer, uh, whether or not you want to talk about soft drinks or whether you want to talk about the electric vehicle or uh, anything along those lines. And there's many, many, many other, other, other innovators uh, that the world has seen throughout history. And then mm-hmm. you have other people who are just... Uh, great leaders who um, not only can inspire change, but to get people to take an existing process and make it better. Um, Not that I want to go to, you know, uh, Henry Ford. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Great. Invented the car. That's wonderful. But he also came up with the assembly line and there's a certain type of leadership that he didn't invent the car, but the assembly line was his thing that got him, you know, that, position in history yes so it sounds like a leader is offering some type of incredible value or service uh, well let's make it more practical for a moment okay because i i love where you're going with that but you know i'm sure that 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 you and and everybody else that's listening 
may be really thinking about like, okay, this is, this is, I'm, I'm not going to be Elon Musk. I'm not going to be David Koresh, you know, like, how is this going to help me in my day to day, you know, life? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the answer is, is pretty straightforward. So let's say, you know, that you are a manager, you're a supervisor, uh, you know, you, you want to think about what is it that is wanted and needed that isn't there. So, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Or, or do it better. Uh, yeah, because, because better can sometimes be the thing that is wanted and needed. Because okay. if things are being done in a crappy way, then, you know, uh, better and, and uh, improved, you know, is definitely going to create some leadership. Because whoever it is that steps up and says, you know what, this has been messed up and I have a better way there than the leader if they can get people to see the same vision the same goal and that's what i'm pointing at is that okay. uh it, it isn't whenever people stop competing and they start going in the direction where no one else is going people will follow them and uh this is very applicable to work and you may wonder by the way how mm -hmm. do you do that right i I, yeah, now, okay. now I'm, now, now I'm intrigued because we have this, our definition of leadership, yeah. the way that, the way that you've defined it yes. is like, great. Okay. So how's this executed? Okay. So there's two other things that go with this. One is, and there's two parts. One is you present the problem. Okay. Okay. So you let people know, you know, like, look, this has been going on. It's a breakdown. This has been going on. You know, people don't like it, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second part is that you ask them to solve it and how you do that is you can either you know, this is a nice thing you don't have to have the answers you can ask them or if you have an answer then you can ask them to partner with you follow you to do it uh so uh, you know and this is actually something that was like it's not a big secret this this is kind of this idea has been around for a long time my stepdad who was in the army, uh, mm -hmm. medal award, you know, winning guy, uh, who was also a, you know, a hard, hard ass drill sergeant, you know, back in the day, Korea and Vietnam. Oh, um, he used to say that this was the whole secret, you know, and I completely, I, I've, I've watched this happen. It totally works. You tell people what the problem is and then you have them go out and solve it. And, Sometimes it is your wisdom that guides them in the direction to which it can be solved. And sometimes it's somebody that has an idea that nobody else has uh, tried before. You don't have to be the person who is doing the thing. You have to provide the leadership, the direction in which to go. And you do that by presenting the problem. And then you ask people to follow you to solve that problem and make that solution real. Okay. Well, I, 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 um, I, I, I can see that. Um, it sounds like, uh, in, in, in the army that there's already a particular framework and hierarchy already in place. So mm -hmm. when you present the problem, it's kind of, okay, we know what the limitations are, uh, and possibly the, the, the skill set mm -hmm. to that that's needed and potentially to solve that problem. I always look at it as when you present the problem, um, you almost have to define the problem. Yes, you right? do. If you if you could define the problem correctly, the solution normally appears. That's what uh, I've always felt. Yes. Uh, but asking other people to solve it, I mean, there has to be some type of motivation other than, hey, I'm the I'm the person higher up in the hierarchy that's telling you, hey, you need to solve this. Uh, they want to need to feel inspired and feel that there's some charisma and that they want to actually solve, go through this journey to solve the problem yes. with you, other yes. than he's my sergeant and he's going to, oh, you know. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Because <laughs> yeah, they're going to punish if they don't, right? Uh, here's the thing. This doesn't have to be something, like I said, dependent on your title or your rank or your authority. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, if you look at somebody like Cesar Chavez, uh, who, okay. you know, interesting uh, example. Well, Let's no, he's there. an excellent example because quite literally he started a, this, this, this guy was somebody who, uh, stood up for the fair treatment of farm workers yep. in California and, mm -hmm. you know, our, our San Joaquin Valley, you know, the 
the giant, you know, valley that runs through California, where a, an, a phenomenal amount of food uh, gets grown and sold, not only in the United States, but around the world. And um, so back in the day, this is really a long time ago, uh, he, he basically started talking about human rights and getting people to band together. And they literally marched down to uh, Los Angeles, if I remember my history correctly. Then, uh, and that was kind of like a strike. But people literally followed him. He, did, he wasn't really, you know, an, he wasn't an elected official. I mean, you know, look at uh, Martin Luther King. He was just a preacher. You know, I don't mean just a preacher, but he was a phenomenal guy. But, uh, you know, he he was he didn't have authority to uh, have the kind of sway over people that an elected official is expected to have. He started both of these guys started by presenting the problem and then turning to people to solve it. So what I'm saying is, is that this is a this is a thread that runs between starting with, you know, gosh, you know, there's there's something that needs to be done, and the solution, which is to do what no one else is doing, getting people to follow you to solve it. Well, there's a I I, I get that, um, but he has to win the hearts and minds of people when their ideas. Um, he can say, yeah, I'm going to do what no one else is doing. And it's going to take a while to, before he gets enough people to believe in his vision as to what he wants to do of and course. eventually go mm -hmm. do that. So, yes. um, and, and it could be because he's doing what no one else is doing, like, yes. like you said, yes. uh, and he's presented the problem and he's got a lot of people to believe in that. Yeah, this is a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And he's not necessarily well, I guess he is asking them to solve it, using your point here, by by doing that march. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of people in this world who are, who, are, who are trying to do things like that. Would you not agree? I do. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I want to try to make sure that people listening, you, all you people out there, <laughs> that you understand that, like, if you are a manager, supervisor, and you want to get people to see you as a leader, then you need to listen to what it is that people have concerns about so that you can understand what problem there may be to solve. So much better than actually coming into a position thinking that you know how to solve those problems that you've seen so much better to actually listen to people because then you've established a relationship with them where they know, you know, that as a leader, you're going to listen and then you're going to articulate the problem and you're going to listen to solutions, offered solutions, and then you're going to come up with a plan. And that's the thing that you'll be doing that no one else is doing. And this is why some managers rise quickly in organizations is because they develop a following because people believe in them because they listen, they actually care, or at least they give the appearance, right? Because <laughs> sometimes it doesn't really work that way. It's a, but sometimes people are just very persuasive and they, they pretend that they're listening. Uh, but, you know, for the people that actually do care and are not afraid to get out in front of everybody and, and speak the truth, and say, look, you know, we've got a problem here. Uh, we need help. And, um, you know, let's come up with a way to solve it. And I will be the conduit by which it gets solved if you follow me. I um, I like that, of course. Uh, one of the things that one I, I know that's missing here, and we're assuming a few things, mm -hmm. uh, such as someone has the courage to actually stand up and actually speak their mind what a lot of people feel now naturally and this is courage is to actually speak up and actually present the problem we know how sometimes that's pretty lonely uh or a lot of people be like oh my god that's norma ray uh you know they yeah good example they, <laughs> well 
Yeah, but a lot of people feel that if they say too much or speak, you know, if you, as soon as you lift your head up, that's the first one chopped off, right? And well, no, true. Nobody wants to do that. And and uh, you know, the the famous line, of course, is the toes you step on today may be attached to the ass that you have to kiss tomorrow. <laughs> um, and so they don't well, want to offend. Well, they don't want to offend their boss. It'd be like, well, you know what? That's nice, but I think you've misdiagnosed this. So we need to kind of redefine what we believe the problem is. Um, and you kind of can't go in a different direction when they're telling you is, I'm sorry, but I still want you to row, you know, row, row the boat. So, yes, I like I, I like what you're doing. I mean, overall, this makes a lot of sense uh, mm -hmm. to do what no one else is doing, present yes. the problem and then ask them to solve it. Uh, but obviously, there's some courage in there. You have to make sure that we've diagnosed correctly. You've listened, as you've said, uh -huh. ask, ask the right questions and be able to. And you probably need to throw a couple of trial balloons out with some trusted individuals to see if whether or not you've articulated your well, uh, okay. problem correctly. No. Yes. And, and, and two things about that. One is nobody is saying that you've got to be a fearless leader. <laughs> okay. okay. Really? I mean, you know, no, there, no, there may that. be some things that you want to say that might get you fired, right? And nobody's saying that, you know, I'm not saying, I'm just making this clear. I'm not saying don't try to be this fearless person that you know gets fired just because you know you are going to say what needs to be said to the people that need to hear it i'm what i'm saying is, is that there is a way to do it that you bring like you know uh what is that expression about lifting all boats you know that uh, a tide raises rising, all boats rising tide lifts, raises yeah, all exactly boats, yeah. so you know be the tide don't be you know the um uh the weakest link you know uh there's there's a way to do it so that you will get a following and that following will create enough buzz to raise you up as a leader. So and, you know, if you've got something really controversial, obviously, you're going to need to play it differently than just, um, you know, do something at work, which is going to be done differently, um, but makes everybody, you know, appreciate the fact that you really did solve a problem. So uh, I'm. I am making this very simplistic because one of the things we focus on in this podcast is to try mm -hmm. to break something down in just three things. And uh, this is not to say that we couldn't spend more, you know, episodes uh, talking about this kind of thing. But I, I do want to point out, you and I worked on a project together mm -hmm. with a company, big, big, yep. big, big global company. Fortune and, 100, you know, sure. yep. one of the people that we worked with, who was our, you know, supervisor told us, you know, hey, the company is is kind of managed in these silos and the <laughs> silos. You remember the silos don't talk <laughs> to each other. Right. Yep. Sure. And you know what the what the, uh, uh, the how we solve the problem. Right. <laughs> we ignored that fact and we went forward anyway. And mm -hmm. that sometimes is really all it takes. Uh, I, I, I would agree. Uh, and well, I you were there. That. I, I, uh, well, we didn't have a, well, we didn't have a choice. We, I shouldn't say we didn't have a choice. We, we made a conscious decision to, uh, make the changes. Yes, we did. And, and we yeah, succeeded. It was, and it was a little risky, of course, because if they were found out that they were done without going through the protocol, which was, uh, quite, uh, involved uh definitely would not have been able to reach the milestones that you and i you know, set out for ourselves and and for the people with whom we were going to serve with, with the project that we were working on so yeah uh <laughs> no one else was doing I, I i felt like that was that was the only way to get things done but you know it, it, it did take a little yes. bit for us to finally get to that moment get that get to that breaking point where we just yes. said, no, what, that's but, it. Let's just but do it. you get my point here and it's not like i'm trying to be you know right about this because there are going to be times whenever you know this may not be the best approach that you and i took right mm -hmm. and and different companies different people that sort of thing but you got to admit you know we started by looking at what the problem was i wasn't the one that presented the problem because i didn't even know enough about the company to know that but this person who was in higher, higher up in management than you and I, mm -hmm. you know, presented the problem and, you know, she asked us to solve it. And what did we do? We just went, okay, let's just, you know, we know what needs to be done. So let's do it. And we did it and it worked. 
It did actually uh, quite quite successfully, and that that's a yes. that wasn't that was that was a nice story, and, and and it's one of those questions that people ask me every now and then. Sometimes we go for an informational interview, interview sometimes for a job, or or one of those stories that you're talking with coworkers or family. I'm like, you know, you know, it's, it's like talking to your kids, right? Oh, Dad, you're so boring. You just do this. You just do that. I'm like, well, you know, I don't always listen to the rules. <laughs> um, I like to, I, anyway, that worked out very well for us. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Yes, that it, did. it did. It did. Good point. And you know, it just, it just underscores and just to, just to wrap this part up, right. It just mm. underscores what it is that I'm pointing at. And again, you know, this is not the truth. I'm not trying to be right. You know, I'm just saying, if you look closely, three secrets to leadership, and there's probably more, but three secrets to leadership is to do what no one else is doing so that people will follow you. And, how do you get them to do that? You present a problem that seems, you know, like it can't be solved because whatever's going on. And then you, per, you proceed to solving that problem by asking people to solve that problem. That's what creates the leader right there. You're the one asking them to solve the problem. It isn't dependent on title. It isn't dependent on authority. It can be anything. But what you're doing is you're stepping forward and saying, okay, you got a problem. Let's solve it. Yep. All Many right. Hands. Many hands make light work. I love yes. it. Yes, indeed. And uh, this brings me to this thing I've been so excited for the past week. Oh. Uh, waiting to hear about this. Uh, <laughs> the three questions. The three that, questions. Sure. To sure. prove Let value. Me... Because I, I really want to know, like, you know, what what is proving value like you need to give me some you know examples here because i remember we talked about this and i was like hey you know like relationships are this way you know like proving your value to to somebody that you want to be with for the rest of your life you know that takes you gotta prove some value there <laughs> right? well I, it, it's it comes down to uh when it comes to three questions to help prove value uh, when it comes to sales, I look at it as, you know, the best way to, to demonstrate that value is normally when we have to put together a proposal because a customer, you know, what do you got for me? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, and, and at that point they want to be able to make a decision because that proposal is supposed to give them all the information that's going to demonstrate that we've done homework and we've analyzed and, and understand their problems and that they want to take action to uh, move forward with us. And okay. So, Every uh, time you say the word proposal, I'm thinking about, you know, how I got on my knee. Yep. Sure. In front and, and, of my girlfriend. And, and hopefully she would change her status to be your wife. Exactly. Is that, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, you know, she answered three questions in her head Uh huh. and you went through three things. Like three questions are what we call the three whys. Ah. Why change? Uh-huh. Why Joseph Benton? And uh, <laughs> why now? Hmm. And these are the questions that every organization or every person that you're talking to has to be able to answer for themselves or for their question, uh, or excuse me, for their company to, uh, to take action. So if we were to go through them just, to kind of give you an idea, uh, just to kind of give you headlines for these is, you know, why change? Well, you hear you're selling the problem. And then there's, you know, why my company, uh, which is selling the solution, which is why now, uh, which is the, uh, the third one is why now, which is selling the urgency. So mm -hmm. when you got on your knees to your girlfriend, the problem was, you know, would you like to marry me? She's thinking in her house. And <laughs> that doesn't sound thinking. like a problem. She's like, hmm, <laughs> do I really want to change my status? Right? Yeah. Uh, and selling the solution is Joseph the guy. And do I want to say, and then of course they're selling the urgency. Why now is, do I want to answer him? Now? Uh, or is this something that should, not take place or, or take place moving forward. Yeah. Should, so, should, should I get the, give the answer while the guy is on his knee or should I make him wait a week or. 
Well, you know, we, we, we've seen those horrible videos uh, when they do the kiss cam, right, on uh, in, in Major League Baseball or the NBA where yeah. the guy gets on his knees and she just sits there and is like, I'm out of here. Normally there's, you know, this passionate <laughs> kiss or and that awkward kiss because, you know, it's they by mistake put it on their, like, brother and sister Ooh. or a complete stranger, which is that awkward what the heck's going on and everybody chuckles and laughs. Uh, but the normal kiss doesn't make the news. It's the one when the when the girl rejects him, right? Mm-hmm. Which everybody understands. Uh, and if you're a salesperson, to get rejected stinks, even though it's part of the job. Yeah, uh, but that's it's because numbers. we didn't. An- it's because we didn't answer these three questions. So to dig uh, into this, okay, yes. So let, let, let me dig into it a little bit further. Is when we're asking someone to, you know, why change? That's very difficult. Think about this. As salespeople, we're well, we're change agents. And <laughs> it, it's very, very difficult for organizations to sit there and want to change their current way of thinking. Have, I mean, would you not agree with that, Joseph? I Is would. Is it easier just to kind of keep things the same than, than no, oh my God, here, here's I have to get up thing. and actually do something to change? I'm remembering back when I used to sell uh, life insurance, not, not life insurance, health insurance. I used to sell uh, for uh, a really big freaking company. And, you know, mm-hmm. we use this fear, uncertainty, and doubt to try to oh. get people to change. FUD. And yeah, FUD, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, which, which was one of the possible names for our uh, podcast here is something that had to do with FUD. But, anyways, um, I remember talking with people and trying to break people open into this space of why change. In other words, what can you tell somebody that is going to get them to realize that they need to change? Uh-huh. So I get where you're coming from. I do get where you're coming from. People yeah. are very complacent in life and just in general. And they think that the way that things are, are either if they, if they believe that they can change, they're, they're doing something to change it. But most of the time, people are complacent and they don't think things will change. Correct. So what you do and in, in, in when you're selling the FUD, right? The fear, mm-hmm. uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, what we're doing is, is uh, when you're telling people why change and you're selling that problem, it's, it, there are three basic things that are, that are underneath there. And I keep thinking it's you know, threes and threes, right? Uh, you're going to make the as is unsafe. Mm-hmm. You have to answer that. You have to define the new set of needs that would be required. And you have to align with whatever the organization's strength is that's going to solve those problems. So to elaborate on that very quickly, I guess, is we don't necessarily lose out all the time uh, because a competitor steps in. It's because a customer decides not to do anything. So they, you have to demonstrate alignment with their company's solutions to the IT capabilities that the organization, I, we're normally selling IT software, uh, using that as an example, whatever those IT capabilities are that are required to support whatever the business is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just a, a quick pointer on that, you yeah. know, selling uh, health insurance, there is no IT component to it, right? But what the, the component is that you would be speaking to are what are the superlatives Mm-hmm. Of what they offer. So, you know, we've got the best network, the biggest network, the, the you know, the uh, least expensive premiums, you know, like there's some capability, like you said, that is being offered. Oh, selling cars, same thing, right? It's like there is something that is being offered that is within the scope of what you can offer. Yes. Um, but I actually go back a little bit higher than that. Mm. A lot of what you're saying is that I, I take this kind of as a three things, I guess I got to keep kind of thinking of three things. I know, I know. Hey, let me tell you, I know three to the third power is when you're trying to talk change with somebody, uh, you have to tell or get people to understand that the world has changed. Right. Like I I think I told you this before, salespeople were change agents Mm -hmm. and people resist change. Mm -hmm. So our job is to help them see that the world has changed and 
whatever this changes has a potential to hurt them or harm them or, or do them something that's not good. So, right. but also not just to sit there and do that fear, uncertainty and doubt, whether it's insurance or not, but it also presents an opportunity. And you, you want to show that as well. And again, that's part of the storytelling. And that could be possibly another podcast we could talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have this loss aversion. And again, when it comes to insurance or IT capabilities or things like that, is we're highlighting what they might be losing because of that change. Hmm. And remember, people feel a greater emotional impact with, the, with a loss than they do of a gain. Hmm. And that's just kind of built into our lizard brain. Right, we're here to um, keep things safe, keep things status quo, don't make any change because I don't want to lose anything. Right. But a headset is that you can also gain from this as well. So loss aversion is more impactful, emotionally impactful than 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 the emotional impact of a gain. So that's why people do oh fear, uncertainty, and loss. This is what's going to happen here. The consequences. That's true. And also is the capability gap. You always want to shine a light on there's always a particular gap that has to be closed. And as a salesperson, the wider that gap is, the greater the opportunity. You don't want to make, you don't want to make it too hard, of course. You want to show them a path to that. Um, but you want to close that capability gap so they can reach safety and grasp these new opportunities. And I always say, don't talk about your offering here, but it goes without saying that it's this capability gap aligns with your with your deal winning strengths so basically aligning with what your organization can do and basically do for them um and and, and you have to think about this in, in the in the sense of the person you're talking to mm -hmm. remember people you're talking to um what do we really care about right i care about myself I care about my friends and family and i maybe care about my job probably in that order so mm -hmm. if you're talking yeah. to somebody that's a b to uh, you know b to c that's kind of the headset you have to have right? Safety, uh, security, uh, privacy, you know, what are you looking for? Stability and all that. Correct. Yeah. That's, what you're, that, that's what you're doing B2C. Yeah. B2B, on the other hand, is if you were to talk to someone in an organization, what do they really care about? They care about their job. They care about their team. And they probably care about their division. So me, I'd be in the sales training or sales enablement team, and we'd be under operations or we'd be under the sales team. Now, the other lines of business is marketing. I mean, you have products. I mean, you have finance. I mean, you have all these different other lines of business. But really, it probably doesn't go beyond my little, like we talked about earlier, our little silos. Our silo, yeah. So I really only care about how this is, what I'm going to be talking about is really going to affect my team and help help showcase me uh, and, and my team and ultimately the success of my division. And naturally, that's going to help the organization. But we work for such a large organization do you think if I made some massive change, do you think I would have had the CEO coming down going, Phil, wow, great job, man. It, everything. Look at the stock price that happened as a result of that. You are the best. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. But it would happen from the VP, which it did, uh, saying, hey, Phil, guess what? You, know, you, know, you made a huge impact to all these individuals. And let me tell you, uh, we're noticing is that you know, due to the fact that you onboarded X amount of people over X amount of time, over Y amount of time is that uh, we've had our retention is absolutely off the charts. Uh, we've already had three people be, you know, promoted. And oh, by the way, the pipeline has actually massively increased and our close rate has in, in, improved. And I know that that's not, you know, that's just a quick snapshot. We know that this mm -hmm. is a whole body of work over the last year and a half. But mm -hmm. I didn't get too much higher than that unless they wanted to give me some award that was, you know, a, another Lucite award. Like I need another paperweight. But, um, is the fact is that I was able to showcase my team mm -hmm. and our and, and, and our and that's what they care about. So, you know, why change? I always talk about right the situations. Yes. You know, is uh, is unsafe. Uh, what are your new needs, and how can I align my strength? And I have that, and I by giving them the vision of, hey, the world has changed. There's a possible loss here or an opportunity, and let me show you where the gap is because I've assessed where you are right now and mm -hmm. where you're looking to be. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. why change. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So let's uh, let me move on to the next one, which is, you know, why my company? You know, most people are great at this in organizations. It's funny. I've gone to a couple of different companies as a sales trainer and everyone's like, oh, Phil, we really need help. We can always tell you about, hey, you know, we can answer the question, why my company? Uh, but we have a hard time saying why change, which we just talked about, and, and, and why now? 
And the why the my company one is tends to be an easier one is that it's selling the solution. It's talking about me. Hey, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you how awesome I am. And every organization has a product marketing team and a marketing team that'll tell you how awesome they are. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of their job. They go out there and, and you know, there's marketing for their brand. There's marketing um, uh, for their products. There's marketing for all sorts of different parts of the organization. And hopefully uh, people, when they, see uh when they're interested they're now going to dig a little bit deeper and mm -hmm. marketing puts out all that content so it's pretty yes. easy to talk about why my company but as a salesperson well that changes ever a little slightly well because yeah. you gotta tailor it somewhat don't you uh yeah um absolutely <laughs> is this is and, and and this is where it gets a little tricky because this is when, you, when you're selling the company is you're selling hey you know what is it we offer how do we do it better? And why we're the best option? And, and like I said before is, well, I already use somebody else or I've been doing it this way forever. The freemium version of what I own is awesome. Mm -hmm. And they just can't see anything different. Now, remember I told you sales is difficult because you're a change agent. Trust me, nobody likes to change. You should see my mother-in-law's hairdo. I'm not kidding. Um, it's so what we're doing as a seller is in sales, I try and tell people it's two third buying vision and one third proof. So I have to give people what this vision is and to help them identify where they are, for instance, on their, mm. I call it a maturity curve. Mm. I think you and I have talked about this before, Joseph yeah. is you know, people are in one of three stages. You keep it real simple, right? There's that three again. Three is again. Hey, I, I just try and keep it this way, even though now I'm now who knows? I think I'm at 27 things now. But you have a standard operating procedure, right? Uh -huh. Here are companies that are, hey, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. Here's how much stuff I've invested. And as a result of that, I, I, I got a lot of risk. And then you have best practice organizations. They, obviously, they have more technology and their risk is smaller, but they still have some. And then you have emerging best practice organizations, which make it a huge investment in all sorts of um, different tech and people and things like that. And their risk is minuscule. I mean, they still have it because you're always going to have it. And what I do is I help companies, you know, every day navigate that maturity curve to become emerging best practice organizations. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you over. I'm going to walk you through where you are uh, and you know, showing them that there needs to be a balance of what they want to spend and what their exposure is to their risk. And our job as a seller is to take the people on that journey. And so people are going to buy from you because we laid out a strategy and a buying vision for the organization. And it sets you up for those additional sales because, hey, where do you think you are in this maturity curve? And they're going to look at it and gonna, everybody gives themselves a B plus, by the way. Uh, nobody ever says, uh, we suck. They, um, they all give themselves, oh, I'll take them over here. And then from there we say, well, okay, that's great. Well, let me show you how we're going to get you over to here. Uh, and what's nice about that is by showing them that strategic vision. And that's mm -hmm. what you can do by saying, why my company is I can tell you what you're, what I'm going to sell you now. And also what I'm going to end up selling you later because it sets up those future discussions with the customer. Uh, and I've noticed that all the top salespeople are able to have that type of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a quick side note here is this also works for customer success people. So if you're in customer success, you can now, instead of saying, where do you think you are in this maturity curve? As a customer success person or professional, you can look at it and say, actually, I know exactly where you are in this on this maturity curve. Yeah. And, um, and uh, making a parallel to what I was mm -hmm. talking about before, whenever I'm, you know, proposing to my wife or, you know, fiance or whatever, mm -hmm. proposing, what mm -hmm. do we do after we have that conversation? We start talking about how many kids we're going to have and where we're going to live and, you know, what kind of a house we're going to buy and what kind of cars are <laughs> we going to get a boat? I, I think this sounds similar to what it is that you're saying in terms of having a future that you're creating together and that you can have that conversation because if they can't or if they resist, 
you know, thinking about those things, you, you aren't on good footing with them. Well, of course. And, and what you're doing, Joseph, is the basics of sales. You're communicating your value. And it's about painting a rich picture of what your prospect or your wife uh, will achieve should they decide to work with you mm -hmm. or marry you for that matter. Right. Uh, and if you've done your job correctly, that new reality is going to demonstrate that you understand what she's trying to accomplish or what the company's trying to accomplish, that your solution is going to get them there. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the results you can provide will be superior to the other options available, which means, you know, she doesn't want to marry your neighbor. She wants to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> but now tell me though, whenever, whenever we're, we've got this future that's articulated, mm -hmm. we've talked about, you know, how it is that, that the world has already shifted and, you know, there's, you're in danger of losing something here. So, you know, my company is going to be the awesome thing that's going to get you there because we're going to have a great future together and here's what it's going to look like. Let's speculate on that. How do you get the why now? Well, okay. <laughs> Got to pull it out of you. Yeah, you know, you, you, you kind of do. <laughs> you kind of do. Uh, and why now is selling uh, the urgency. Mm. Um, this is where we start asking, you know, consequence types of questions. Mm. You know, what's going to happen if you don't, right? So what are the implications to not changing to your business, to your customers, to your role or, or and department. So you have to understand, you have to get the customer to understand and agree with the steps to achieve their desired outcomes uh, of, of what they're looking for. Now, I've been in sales for a long time mm -hmm. and you always have a manager or a VP or someone saying, you got to close it before the end of the month, got to close it before the end of the year. And I get it all the time. You have to create more urgency. Hmm. Like I, I don't like leaders. I know that we talked about this earlier who sit there and come up with these vague things. We just need more. We just need to be better. And we just need you to be more urgent. Yeah. That's, uh, what that's why that's not leadership. That is not leadership. <laughs> uh, can you give me some specific observations that you've seen uh, that we could talk about? Because as a sales trainer, you just want more. What? You want better? Huh? Well, okay. So urgency? sure. Go ahead. Is, is why now something like, okay, if you marry me now, I'll throw in a pack of smokes, you know, like, <laughs> well, Joseph, what? uh, that, that, that's a different type of training. I'm going to call that negotiation training. Uh, <laughs> okay. Cause I didn't know if, if why now is like incentive or disincentive. So are you saying it's more disincentive? If you, if, if you like create that urgency, you create a disincentive. Is that correct? Yes and no. I, I don't I don't think you necessarily uh, sell urgency. I think it's something that's uncovered mm. because you're solving a problem that they didn't know that they had mm -hmm. or something that they know that they need to do. Um, a lot of people probably know the right thing to do. But like I told you before, if the gap isn't large enough, they're mm -hmm. not going to they're not going to do it. Right. Uh, and it can't be too large because then it just seems impossible. So your job is to create that. Um, to find out what, you know, what it is that they're trying to do and, and what are the time frame that they want to have it done and, and what, are the, what are the consequences of them not making this change? We've already established why change. Mm -hmm. We've already established why I'm going to use my company. So they're, they're primed for this. It's like, okay, so when are you guys looking to do this? And a lot of things are going to dictate this. There could be, um, hey, um, I read the 10K because it's a public organization and it says that we want to enhance our security posture before the end of 2023. When's the end of 2023? They're a calendar year, so you have until the end of December. Okay, well, have they already met those objectives? You know, these are the things that you need to, you, you need to know because there are, um, they have goals they're trying to hit, right? What are yeah. the goals that tend to be what? Make money, save money, or manage risk. Those tend to be the the main. There's three things. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, but what Can what I, you're doing is sure. Go ahead. A quick question, sir. So, are you are you discovering? Because obviously, whenever you start talking with somebody and you you talk talk to them about why change and why your company, at that point, I don't think that you really know their pain points, do you? And uh, yeah. 
Um, if, if, if you're doing, if you're doing a, a, a wide change, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to happen with part of your discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I hate using the doctor analogy, but it tends to be the one that works mm. is my knee hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it to hurt anymore. So I'm going to talk to a bunch of doctors and the, who's the one who's going to ask me the best questions that I feel most comfortable with, that I trust with, that I want to go through the journey of fixing my knee. Uh, and, and that's part of, well, why my company, mm-hmm. and again, the doctor analogy, as soon as you walk in, what do they have behind them? They have all their diplomas. They got a white coat on everything. That's kind of try and show them that, look, I am a qualified individual. Mm-hmm. You should be talking to me. Right. Um, naturally they open their mouth and if they sound like a donkey, I don't think I want to talk to that person. Um, but if they're also someone that says, geez, you know, your knee looks like shit, uh, we need to put you into surgery right away. Uh, and you didn't di- do any diagnosis or you haven't given me any you know, different steps as to what's going to happen here. That would be what medical malpractice. Yeah. That, and That's sales, good. that would be sales malpractice. Right. 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 So why now? Um, and a lot of the why now is when we're having the conversation of why there changes like well what, when are you looking for this change to happen if you're looking if someone says hey we're looking for it to q5 2024 uh disqualify them and get them out of your pipeline uh but if they're telling you hey listen i gotta have something on the books before the end of this end of this year okay well guess what it's gonna take us 90 days to get that solved and there's only 60 days left in the year i don't think this is gonna happen um because we have to marshal you know there's a lot of things on my end and things on your end to make this to, to make this uh, happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we can map that out. Uh, and, or they say, Hey, at the end of Q1, 2024, okay, well, let's come up with a work back plan. Let's come up with a mutual execution plan. What mm-hmm. It's called, and it has many, many, many names uh, is what has to be done on my end and what has to be done on your end. And what are the milestones that have to take place? So we know that we're on track and we can, and we can uh, be accountable on both ends of things. And with scheduled meetings to make sure this happens without a hitch. Okay. So then the why now sounds to me, you let me know if you if you agree with what my understanding of it is, is that you're going to create something in time that is specific and measurable and that you can work with them towards and that if if they decide against it, then they're deciding against their own interests. Yes. And and normally what the impetus of this is, there's something happening in their business and there's some financial impact that uh, that's happening if they don't change their status quo. So therefore they need some type of improvement, an upgrade or an enhancement of some some uh, capacity. Mm-hmm. So when they tell you this is what we're looking to do, and they've said, "Geez, you know what? Uh, I don't think that there's another a better option than 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 you and your organization." Great. So let's start triangulating and figuring out what this is going to look like. Can you come up with a plan? And I like to do this, and this is what I did. And people would be like, "How do you know this deal's not going to happen?" Or "How do you know this deal is going to happen?" And like everything else, I can. It's willing for it's your customer. Are they willing to invest time in coming up with whatever that plan is between uh, between you and and the and the customer? And if they're really investing in in it, and they're like, "Yep, we're going to do this," and or this is what's going to happen. Here's the dates that it's all going to happen. The PO is going to happen here, and as soon as that happens, we're going to get boots on the ground to start bringing in our engineers or whomever it is to make sure that your software or whatever products and services is going to be implemented to make sure you can start recognizing value. Because remember, value isn't recognized the day you get the PO. As a salesperson, yeah, I'll do a happy dance and be psyched and so forth. But my job is not over until the customer sees value in what I purchase because I don't just want to get a sale to get a sale. I want to get a sale so this person could pay for my mortgage over the next three to five years because they're going to continue to buy from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by them investing time and in coming up with that plan to triangulate that PO and when you're going to recognize value, then guess what? I know I got a pretty good deal and I can tell my manager, yeah, this is what's going to happen. And I get pretty close to the pin. Um, when I say it's going to close, it normally happens normally that day. But you also want to disqualify these people really, really fast if they are not helping you with that plan. Um, 
That makes sense. And 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 when you start hitting those milestones, when you start doing the plan, guess what? If things may change, I mean, people go on leave, people have kids, some people move on from organizations, and sure. And uh, every time that you come to these milestones within that plan, um, you'll know as to hey, am I still good? And if you are, yeah, no problem. I go right to my VP and be like, yeah, this is coming right in on this day. How do you know? It's always great, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told you this. Joseph is uh, uh, my manager. Would always ask me uh, when I was first started my sales career. He said, um, "He said, Phil, do you have a mutually agreed upon next step with your customer?" As he would go through my pipeline, and he would ask that for every single one of my opportunities. And if I did not have a mutually agreed upon next step with the customer. He said, get it out of your pipeline. He said, just get it out. Hmm. I was like, wow, that's ruthless. And I'd be like, yeah, but they said, he's like, no, 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 no. If you don't have a mutually agreed upon next step with your customer, that means you're stalking them. You're not dating them. (laughs) Get them out. Yeah, that's brilliant. (laughs) Okay. So then um, I, 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 I believe that I've got it now. So like why change? Why my company? Mm -hmm. Uh, And why now? And I completely agree with the whole stalker thing, because if I'm dating a girl <laughs> and she doesn't want to talk about how many kids we're going to have, then yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just uh, wasting my time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, 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 it's true. It's true. And, and, and <laughs> not quite sure where this analogy is going to come in, but I always look at it as, you know, why now is uh, when you come up with that plan, it, it's, it's fluid. And it has to be confirmed. It has to be updated frequently because, mm-hmm. you know, it's normally a document that's shared. Again, it highlights the impact of slip dates and that mutual partnership, which is, again, why you come up with that plan. And it reduces implementation risk and unnecessary work, which is always what we're trying to do. And lastly, of course, is since everybody has that pinnacle fever, it creates that sense of urgency. And like I said, it's urgency is not something I, I feel that you create in sales. I think it's something that you uncover and expose. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I like the plan. That's why you went to go buy the ring. That's why you had the fancy dinner. You found the romantic spot. Yes. And you want to set everything up correctly. And she in her head has answered those questions before she said yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I remember that day. You know, it wasn't a restaurant. <laughs> I actually invited a bunch of friends over uh, that we had in common, and um, you know, oh. uh, I, I I made for, it for moral wait, for, for moral support. Um, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if 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 uh, uh, peer pressure counts. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> You know, just marry the guy already, you know? Oh, my goodness. I, I have a visual in my head. I'm thinking, was there like torture well, devices involved here? I mean, well, what happened here? There was lots of wine involved. I can, I can tell you that. Okay. So, hey, let's, let's talk about our future here, Phil. Sure. So next week, I'm going to tell you about what it is that I'm going to be sharing about. Uh, so I want to uh, tell everybody about working with Smees, and I don't mean that that character that's on. Uh, yeah, Peter I'm Pan. not talking about the character in Peter Pan, Smee. I'm talking about oh. subject matter experts. Okay, so there is a key to working with subject matter experts, and uh, do you know what it is that you're going to be talking about next time? I do. So for next week, I'm going to be covering the three most important customer insights. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Uh, it is. I and, I, actually, I think you'll like it. And, and um, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I, I also, I worked a three into mine as well. So I, I am going to be talking about SMEs, but this is three tips for working with SMEs. I left that out. And, you know, this is like not episode number three, but it should be because we, we talk about threes so much during this entire time. I know. So, yeah. All right. Three is the, three is the magic number. Remember three that? is the magic rock. number. Yes, I do. I do remember that. Um, okay. So then um, let's, let's meet again next week and um, we can talk about those things, shall we? I love it. And Joseph, did we get anybody replying to, to, to 
Oh, us, uh, let us know as to what you yes. know what in between the notes is. Anybody uh, uh, sending us messages inquiring into our mystery? Not yet, Phil. Not yet. Uh, I think that we're still a little too new, and right now uh, we are broadcasting into a giant, vast, empty vessel without any people at all. But uh, eventually, people will be, and uh, when we do, we're going to let everybody know. Love it. I love it. So you mean we got a plan? We do have a plan. We have a future. <laughs> We're going to be podcasting from Mars, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I have to keep coming up with more of my threes as I keep burying the threes lead, right? <laughs> threes within threes. I have threes within threes within threes. It's funny, as, as I was always told, is that don't go more than three things. If you have two things, add one. If you have four things, eliminate one. Mm -hmm. Just don't go more than three. I like that. And... Well, I always thought that was great, but yeah. my wife gives me three things to do, and I only remember the first one and the last one. It's always the middle one I forget. Hmm. All right. Well, um, let's uh, let's reconvene next week. You've been listening to Joseph Benton, the training guy. And Phil DeSantis, the sales guy. You can now say that you got the message, the tips and the tricks, the music and inspiration you need for sales and training in, in between, between the notes. The notes. I would put in an anonymous tip to change the name, but uh, you know. I, I I don't know. Sounds like TM trademark. You know, you're trying to abbreviate it. People get a little intimidated. It's, it's transcendental it's meditation, is what it is. That could be trans <laughs> transcendental meditation TM. Right? Or or it could be a gentleman by the name of Tim Martin. Uh, yeah. his initials. I don't yeah, know. That's right. Or All right. let's go to Mars. We're get there. To Mars. Okay. Great. <laughs> All right. So uh, we are done. That just that. went. We just went ridiculous.